Hey, everybody, it's Matt. Before we start the show, please join me in wishing our own sweet, sweet Dave Holmes a big, big happy birthday. Uh, His birthday was yesterday. Dave, we love you so much and I have not given you a gift, but I am giving you this gift, which, of course, is a voice memo recorded on my phone and hastily sent to Dana and Ryan to slap onto the show. But the point is I uh, am, am so truly grateful that I get to do this show with you every week. And I know I speak for listeners when I say that they are grateful that they get to spend this hour with you every week. You truly make me a better man. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Uh, I love you. And I'm so excited uh, for what's next. Everybody wish Dave a happy birthday and enjoy the show. Dave Holmes, Dave Holmes, are you there? Matt McConkey, I am here. Oh my God! I, I lead you. Where I lead are you. you? I am in a loading zone on Rainy Street in Austin, Texas. Matt McConkey, what are you doing I, there? I, I am here for South by Southwest, my friend. Uh, I don't know if you can hear the the distant uh, music and marketing that's happening uh, all around me. And but uh, it is really something. I am across from the Snapchat house. Ooh. I'm right near the Shazam movie phone charging station. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's all happening. Wow. That sounds extremely yeah. South By-ish. Love a good sponsored it's, house. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you like a sponsored house, have I got one for you? The, uh, the Audible house is just down the street. Showtime right behind me. That's the it's, Dave Holmes uh, is, uh, version of like uh, like your um, your uh, voguing ballroom house. You're from <laughs> the House of Audible. I am in the legendary house of Twitter. Um, yeah, it's uh, it is really all going on. Uh, how is everything in LA? Everything here is great. It's a sunny day. Faye is in the office. She's trotting around in good spirits. We all miss you here desperately. Um, uh, I'll be back in a matter of days. What is on the agenda while you're at South by? Well, Matt, I'll tell you. Uh, I was here for uh, for briefly Sunday. I did like a, a sci-fi wire great debate panel where uh, like Baron Vaughn and Yasir Lester and I argued about uh, what Darth Vader would be like as a boss, you know, really important cultural mm, sure. stuff. And then, uh, and then I had a couple days off this being one of them. And then tomorrow I'm doing a Q and a after the uh, screening of the boy band con, the Lou Perlman story. So there's a documentary about Lou Perlman <gasps> who started Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and then Robin Blind and died in prison. So there's a documentary about it that is really great. And Lance Bass and Joey Fatone and the director and I are doing a little Q&A afterwards. Wow. Yeah. I cannot wait for the play-by-play of that entire experience. It's going to be interesting. What are you going to do on these days off? You know, so I'm on one now, and it's just like all you do, honestly, is just go – like if you've got a badge, then you can kind of just go from, they call these things marketing activations. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, Dell Computers is doing a marketing activation and they, they take over a bar and they show you their new 
their new touch screen or whatever. And it's, you know, sponsored by Tito's vodka. And so you just sort of go and eat free eats and drink free drinks and play with a robot dog in the Sony tent. And then you go to the next thing. And probably at some point bands will start showing up, but I think, I think the, the music part starts after I leave. Um, but basically, yeah, you just kind of roam around and get aggressively marketed to it. Is this the official beginning of festival season? Like when, when, when clothing brands have festival season gear, are people, well, I mean, does it ever really end? That's true. That's true. There's your Sundance. Sure. It really, it's like, uh, it's like award season. It just never ends. What I'm asking is, are you, are you wearing sort of a free spirited boho, you know, like a chambray shirt and a denim short kind of look? Oh, you know what? I really, I should be, but this is so, this is so aggressively corporate that it, this is really more like as the floral uh, head uh, gear is to Coachella, mm-hmm. the, uh, the fleece vest is to South by Southwest. Ooh. You know, this is this is tech bro central right now. So I'm in a sensible denim jacket, a graphic tee, and then I'm just uh, roaming around. Well, please keep us very closely posted on your adventures I there. I certainly will. Obviously, obviously, I absolutely will. Well, Dave, it's a big day Ooh. here at Homophilia. I'm telling you. Matt, uh, listen, uh, the podcast industry, it will take you on some twists and turns that you might not expect. Yeah. You think? You know, sometimes you end up with a dream guest that you've been trying to get for a while. We've been and talking about him since episode, since episode one. We have been talking about Lance Bass. And mm-hmm. at long last, he is here. Uh, can't wait for people to hear he this. He is queer. <laughs> and we are used to it. Um, um, folks, we, we got to sit down with Lance Bass and an intimate group of hundreds of fans. At, uh, at the Austin Convention Center at South by Southwest. Uh, Lance and I are both down uh, to talk about the, uh, the documentary, The Boy Band Con, the Lou Perlman story. Uh, and it turns out Lance had a spare hour to, uh, to spend with us and some fans. And so we got him. I may have Skyped in. I may have not. We have not recorded it yet this time. So uh, it's going to be a little cliffhanger. I'm excited we'll to hear soon. it, whether I was there or not. <laughs> we will. We will certainly find out. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, from South by Southwest, Lance Bass. Folks, we have a a very special guest for a live episode of Homophilia. This is someone uh, with whom I have a history uh, going back about 20 years, more than that even, uh, which is insane. Uh, He is one of the producers of uh, the Boy Band Con, the Lou Pearlman story, which you will see later today at the Paramount Theater. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Lance Bass. How are you? Good to see you. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. Thank you for uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us, Lance, Matt, Matt, Lance. Hi, Matt. Hey, Lance. Drew Picorni nice says hello. You. By the way, yes, Drew yeah. Picorni says hello to <laughs> yeah. you. We okay. have a lot of mutual That's my friends. Producer, so by the way, we'll connect all those dots. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, how has your South by Southwest experience been so far, Lance Bass? It has been incredible. Uh, yeah. I wish I had a little more time to see some films. Sure. That would be nice. Uh, but I've been on this nice press tour. Uh, but this is my first South by Southwest, yeah. and uh, I've always wanted to go to this festival because I love the South. Yeah. I love music and I love film. So it was the perfect place to premiere the boy band con. So I was super excited. They allowed us to do it here. Yeah, and it is a really great movie. It's it is. 
crazy, like I was near the action. You were obviously much closer. Uh, but there was so much of the story that neither of us knew. Um, it's, uh, it is very involved. Tell us just a little bit about the movie. Yeah, so the, the movie chronicles the, the life and death of Lou Perlman, who was our manager, president of our label, the sixth member of NSYNC. Um, he, he had his hands in everything. Yeah. Uh, and we quickly uh, figured out that uh, we were really, you know, we were taken advantage of. Uh, we signed one of the worst contracts in music history. So did the Backstreet Boys. We were all under the same label. Yeah. Um, and then when we went to renegotiate, which every artist does, yeah. uh, we got a strict no and you're dead to me. Um, and then that went into a huge lawsuit. We ended up getting rid of him. Um, and then that's where we left Lou. But then it got much bigger. Yeah. And that's where we get into this doc, the stories I didn't even know. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the big, one of the biggest Ponzi schemes in American history he enacted. Yeah. Um, his childhood in New York. Uh, it was just fascinating to really uncover who Lou Perlman was. Yeah. It is, it, it is really, really interesting. You're going to love it. Uh, when will it be officially released? Uh, it is going to come out April 3rd. Uh, our studio is YouTube. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're going to launch it April 3rd. So on YouTube, you get to watch it. Uh-huh. At the comfort of your home. There you go. Mirror it to that TV display. Uh, and truly, I mean, and dig in. There is so much of the story that yeah, you and it's, really and it's won't beautiful. Our director, Aaron Kunkel, um, you know, for your fil- you filmmakers out there, one of the best directors I've ever worked with. And when you see this film, it is a piece of art. It is beautiful. The subject's insane, but when you watch it, it is a gorgeous film. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's get into it. What is Lance Bass listening to these days? <laughs> what am I listening to? Yeah. What's on uh, I am going through this weird phase right now where I, I don't really listen to radio, so it's all just whatever I can find on Apple Music or whatever. Mm-hmm. But 60s French pop. Isn't that weird? No, that's My that's husband's like, great. I know. I play it in the house all the time. I, I'm, I'm really strange where I, I listen to the music more than the words in songs. Yeah. Um, that's why I don't even know a lot of the words to my own songs, which is really sad, but I just, I just listen to the instruments. Yeah. And so something about the sixties French pop, I don't really care about what they're saying. It's how they're saying it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just kind of been into that. Okay. I don't know why. No, that's, that's beautiful. Weird. And it's very sophisticated, and it makes you want to get on a Vespa. Is it, is it sophisticated? I don't know about that, but yeah. I think it is. I think it is. Uh, hey, I want to hear your guys' uh, origin story, Dave. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were both on MTV for the first time on the same day. Yes. Your first performance of I Want You Back yeah. was on day one of the Wanna Be VJ contest. I remember this clearly. When there were uh, 10 of us. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember it clearly because <laughs> it, I was fully in shock. Like literally 48 hours before, I was a regular guy with a job in advertising, and then suddenly I was on live TV, and this boy band who was brand new to the states suddenly showed up, and uh, Chris Kirkpatrick's hair looked like a like the, the pineapple the top hair, of a yeah, pineapple, yeah. and uh, and and I've I've seen video of it since then, and like the, the amazing thing to me is like, what year did the world figure out how clothes are supposed to fit? 
<laughs> I would say around 2004. Yes. Yeah, yeah it I was would agree. around that because it was Literally, horrible. We had the worst fashion ever. But everybody did. Yeah, yeah, but we, I think we won for worst fashion. Well, I mean, bad. you did have the pineapple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a lot of very wide pants and a lot of very oversized shoes. Oh, yeah, the, the clothes would go past my fingertips. Oh, sure. I mean, you're sitting there at the Oscars and then I have this suit that's three times too big to wear. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. What was that experience like for you? Because that was like, that was a major debut. I mean, it, it was incredible because, you know, we'd spent a couple of years over in Europe first. Our record label is actually Munich, Germany. And uh, so we were just desperately wanting to get home so that our friends and family could see what we were doing because they all at that point just thought we were lying. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, sure, you're big in, in Europe. Um, so to be able to be on a network like MTV that you grew up on, yeah. it just made it legitimate at that point. Um, you could do all the biggest shows in Europe, you know, and you just didn't, you didn't grow up with us. You don't know how big that is. Yeah. But you could really, you know, really feel what it felt like, you know, to be on a network that you loved, you grew up with. And it really was kind of the birth of our band in a big way. With the Disney Channel special and then TRL, I don't think we would be the group we were without those two things. Yeah. And I think this even predates TRL a little bit. It was yeah. MTV Live. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was MTV Live. Yeah. And I remember, because, like, first of all, again, I everything was utterly surreal to me in the moment. And I remember looking out the uh, the window, and there were, like there was like a small group of, of German tourists who were fans of yours. Like you weren't big enough yet yeah. to have people out in Times Square with signs. But like Gretchen had a sign that said like, Ich liebe in sync. And, uh, and I was like, this, something, something is about to happen here. And it did. It did. It was, it was intense. And it was a time in, in music history that, uh, you know, the fans really controlled everything. Right. Uh, I mean, pop just exploded and with the help of MTV and, and these fans. Uh, it was just a crazy time uh, for music. Yeah. Talk me through, like, showing up at the green room. Were you out of your body? Were you nervous? Were you calm? Of course. Oh, my gosh, because we felt like, all right, this is going to be a make it or break it moment. If we come out here and bomb, then yeah. we're over. You get one chance. Yeah. So we were very, very nervous. Yeah. There was a back flip involved. If I'm oh yeah. Mistaken. We do. We do a few flips. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I'm uh, feeling it now. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh my gosh. How are the knees? Oh, terrible. Really? Back, my knees, my neck. Oh. It's bad. And I remember when we were kids, they were like, you better stretch or you, you, you shouldn't do that. You're going to start feeling that when you're older. Yeah. It's true. Listen yeah. to your mom. That's right. Yeah. You just think you're going to be 24 forever. Of course. And then, then you wake up one morning <laughs> and you are not. Uh, what did you listen to leading up to NSYNC? What was your... What was the music? I was, I was all over the board. I'm from Mississippi, so um, uh, I love country music. You know, that was kind of my love right before going in NSYNC, thanks to Reba McIntyre, Garth Brooks, sure. um, and Clint Black. I, I just was obsessed with music because the, well, the first time seeing Garth Brooks on stage, I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I love that. And of course, you know, I'm an, I'm an 80s baby, so I love anything, you know, Madonna. The pop, the pop of the 80s is my favorite. Besides yeah. French pop of the 60s. Uh-huh. Besides 80s pop America, the way to go. <laughs> How would songs come to you? How do songs come to me? Yeah, like when, like who, who would present songs to you as, as a group? All kinds of different ways. When we first started, uh, we were not great writers at all. Um, yeah, you can. There's a song called "Giddy Up." If you hear the first album, that was our first attempt to, to write. It made the album. 
Could you just real quick, just the hook on? Gotta giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up now, giddy up, giddy up, gotta giddy up. I mean, it's like I liked country music. Uh, (laughs) Lance Bass giving the people what they want in 2019. I love it. You know, and that was the first year we all lived together before we had a record, you know, deal. And then once we got a record deal, uh, we had zero time to do anything so writing we didn't really get to get into until no strings attached right uh started happening and that was after the whole lou perlman mm-hmm. saga um, and that's when i feel like we truly became artists uh, but we were very lucky to have found dennis pop and max martin mm-hmm. um very early on yeah, in our well. career yeah i mean there i mean dennis pop unfortunately he passed away very quickly after we met him but he started the whole sharon studios um in stockholm sweden and that's what gave us our sound ace of bass Britney Spears, right. Us, Backstreet. Um, it, it was a it was a Swedish sound. Yeah, it was a very Euro clubby sound. Yeah, yeah. Doom, doom, yeah. Doom, doom, Every song has that. Yeah, <laughs> everything. Really, the world kind of was uh, a small town gay bar for about three years. Yeah, it wasn't was. It? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> really was. Um, so now. You are like I see you in the strangest of places now. It seems like you are a, like you have a hand in the reality TV world. Now. Oh yeah, yeah. You're you're tight with Lisa Vanderpump. Oh yes. Uh, and that that, girl. that whole gang, <laughs> Mama Conky just sat up and took notice. Oh Vanderpump, <laughs> let's get into it. Yeah. How did how did that all happen? Uh, I mean, I've always been interested in film and television. That was my first love. I'm more creative that way. You know, I I like writing music. But I love writing film and television. Yeah. Uh, so once we went on the NSYNC hiatus, which is still going on right now, mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, I just really wanted to take a break from the music side, and I just went straight to film. So I started you know, producing some scripted stuff. Um, and then I fell into to documentaries, and I just became obsessed with them and watching them, loving them. So I started you know, developing a lot of different documentaries, and I found my love and passion for filmmaking with that. Yeah. What was your first? Uh, my first one was, I think, called Mississippi I Am. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a short doc about I wanted to go home to Mississippi and see what it was like for the LGBT youth um, what it's like to live in Mississippi right now. And this was during, this was before, you know, marriage equality passed and, uh, it was a very heated subject and these teenagers, right, refused to hide. They refused mm-hmm. to move out of the state like anyone else, you know, did. Um, and so I followed all these different storylines of what it was like and some were very positive, some were very negative. Uh, but it was, it was nice to kind of take the temperature of Mississippi at that time. Yeah. So, uh, Lance, can I ask, uh, I'm assuming that you're up to speed on this Lucy Lucy Apple Juice saga with, um, it's a, uh, this needs no explanation, of course, but it's a dog from uh, Vanderpump Dogs that oh, yeah. was given to <laughs> Dorit and Dorit gave it back. And, uh, mm. you know, and I'm emotionally shattered by this whole thing. I don't know what to believe, you know, up is down, down is up, but wondering where you uh, come out on this whole saga. Well, uh, yes, I was uh, present for the whole entire drama. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's so ridiculous how these shows have gotten. Um, you know, I love reality television for sure, but it, some get a little stale, and it's getting a little stale because basically every season of any housewife show is someone said something, someone heard it slightly differently. Yeah. 
and then it's a fight about how they hurt it the rest of the time. Yeah. That's it. And that's how what happened with this dog thing. You know, it's like Dorit gave it to a girl that thought they was going to take care of it, took it to a kill shelter. They called Vanderpump, said, we got your dog. Dorit called. Sorry, I didn't know that was going to happen. It was all squashed. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, then people started talking. Who started talking? Yeah, well, and people are texting, which is even worse for TV because then it's uh, people talking about text exchanges and printing uh, out text. Or oh, I know. And, and I remember when I, I, I remember when Ken was like, because it was this guy John Blizzard, you know, that at work for them, and he was really good <laughs> friends with Teddy, and uh, so they, he was really trying to get her to bring it up because he wanted drama. I mean, it, you know, it's a TV show, so he's like, just you know, bring it up. You'll have a better storyline because you're looking boring on the show. That's basically what the conversation was. Yeah. And so uh, then. If of course, the text messages were edited to make it look like Lisa wanted them to be, you know, to know about it. But then Ken was like, I want all those text messages. Downloaded all of them. Is like, yep, this is the real conversation that happened. So, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all BS. Yeah. Wow. So knowing how the sausage is made, can you still watch those shows? Of course, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I love I love reality television. I mean, I I really um, enjoy it, um, and it inspires me to create other shows um, because I think like Vanderpump Rules, for for instance, is I think one of the best shows on television. I don't understand. Please explain why they have the best cast. Yeah, uh, it's been seven years now. Was well, seven years right? Uh, yeah. This, I don't understand how they found these this cast to be this crazy and they still somehow love each other but they hate each other at the same time right and you're watching some of these scenes especially from this year there was a scene with um, Stasi and uh, uh, Kristen no not Kristen uh, Lala mm-hmm. and it was just breakdown about her talking about her dad that had just passed and it was one of the most gut-wrenching scenes you would ever see in a movie you would yeah. think that they're Oscar-winning actresses it was that good yeah yeah it was crazy uh, agreed by the way what's going on with you and Jax Taylor yeah, Jack. You know, I've known Jax for a long time. How? Um, he was one of my first friends in L.A. Really? Yeah, yeah. Just through my friend James. Yeah. Um, and James, not James Kennedy. No, 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 not James Kennedy. Okay, Gosh, no. okay, okay. No, no, no. no. Okay, good, good, uh, good. James Kirtley. Uh, so anyway, we uh, we're actually launching a, a mixers line because James and I <laughs> came up with this idea for Jax because Jax is the only one on the show that doesn't mm-hmm. really have anything going on everyone's you know has this company going and tom and tom have their restaurant and Jax is like well what about me mm-hmm. so um we're like okay we're gonna create something for Jax. uh and so we, we called it just add x and it's this mixer where you just add whatever liquor you like ice shake it because he's such a horrible bartender yeah and we just wanted to make craft cocktails for horrible bartenders so they wow. they look like the hero Jeez, so yeah so we just had I the big that. taste test last night at the uh the closing party. Here's what every episode of uh, Vanderpump Rules sounds like to me. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> you kidding like that's, me? It just seems like somebody says that 20 times an episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, All right. That's a catchphrase. Have, have you been to TomTom? I have many times. Uh, it's great. It's beautiful. The it is very pretty. So, and there's a line around the block like yes, every single is. day. And it's good because my restaurant opens up next door in two weeks. Uh-huh. So now I get all that tr- that leftover traffic that can't get into TomTom. They're going to come that. over to my bar. So tell us about the restaurant. <laughs> uh, oh, it's called Rocco's WeHo. Yeah. Um, there's four of them already in L.A. It's a there's, sports bar. Uh-huh. Like a very elevated sports bar. Sure. Uh, but our version is the gay version. Because <laughs> uh-huh. it's, it's right in the heart of West Hollywood. Um, so so it's, it's, you know, we, we want to make it very entertainment friendly. I mm-hmm. think L.A. is so weird that there's not many 
great places, especially on Santa Monica, that you can play live. New York kicks our butt. I mean, there's yeah. live music everywhere in New Orleans, here in Austin. But L.A., we don't have great live music. So I yeah. wanted to create uh, a place where, you know, re- up-and-coming uh, bands and, and, and soloists can, can premiere. Great. Yeah. Very nice. Like who? Who, who are we like? I don't know yet. Who's I, up and coming that you're I don't know. I haven't to? even... Who knows? Okay. Uh, I definitely want to showcase a lot of LGBT acts because I oh. think they're very underserved. Uh, but who knows? Maybe I get Ariana Grande to perform. Who knows? Who knows? That's maybe not going to happen. <laughs> what was that? Maybe... <laughs> I said maybe Sheena from Vanderpump. Okay, yeah. Or sure. Lala. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I, I, I was not. I think Tom Tom has, has the exclusive on them. Okay, yeah. very good. I went to, uh, I've said this before on the podcast, but uh, we went to Tom Tom recently, and when we ordered food, they really seemed startled by that fact. Oh, really? <laughs> like, are you really? Like, you like are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Like I I am I'm convinced they ran across the street to the grocery store, yeah. hot bar, and like put some chicken fingers on a plate. Anyway, um what other uh what other stuff are you watching? What other reality TV? I I mean, I am such a TV junkie. I watch it all for research. Sure. Um so I mean from The Bachelor. I, okay. It's it's so horrible you have to watch. It really it's, is. It's one of those you kind of hate watch. Yeah. Uh, I have I, a lot of those type of shows where you just kind of hate watch. But my thing is if I watch one episode, I have to finish the whole season. I, oh, just, sure. I can't not watch it. You can't uh, leave these questions unanswered in your mind. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're recording this on the morning after the uh, finale of The Bachelor. I don't know if you've been too busy to, to see what happened. I don't know exactly what happened, but I can figure out, I think, what happened. You can figure out yeah, what happened. Yeah. What, what, what's your, what is your hunch? Well... I know he probably does choose someone, but he's not into any of those people no, at I don't all. Think, I don't think okay. he's into any one of those people. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know. Okay, I don't know what happened, but are, uh, are you, are but you, I don't. I, I don't think it's the blonde, the Hannah B. I don't think right. he's going to choose her because I think she's going to be the next Bachelorette. Like from from the day one, I'm like she's going to be the Bachelorette. How, I can how, see it. She looks like a Disney princess. How do you feel about spoilers? So, just tell me. Hannah B is the new Bachelorette. Yep, and but, he went with Cassie. Who dumped him, Wait, and then he jumped over the fence. Cassie came back? He, he begged her to come back. She did. Oh, my god! They spent the night together. Did, did he lose it? We don't know. He's being coy. Okay, well, okay. Well, I like that ending then, because Cassie was the only one that I thought yeah. would be good. Oh, okay. Hey. Yeah. yeah I'm very happy. Uh, saved two hours hey, of my oh, life. By the Thanks. way, <laughs> speaking, um, speaking of Bachelorettes, uh, Lance, this podcast actually kind of started because of Finding Prince Charming. Oh, yeah. So I was doing sort of like recaps of Finding Prince Charming. I had a couple of those, interviewed a couple of those guys. Mm. Dave listened to that. It evolved into this. But um, what's happening with Finding Prince Charming season two? I know. It's, you know, Logo, I I don't even know if they're making original programming anymore. They really aren't. And that's so sad. You know, and, and they talked about, you know, moving Prince Charming over to VH1, which was great and so we were ready to shoot season two um and then they decided eh, we're not gonna do it so they gave me 90s house which was not good uh you know yeah it was not good don't watch that it's mtv don't watch it uh and so yeah and and i i really do think that they should bring it back because everyone loved that show i mean we we, we gays need our own bachelor too we need to find love too and those two are still together right the 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 um (laughs) I forget his name. No. The winning couple. I'm kidding. They're not. No, 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 no. That that never. Yeah, that never worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I enjoyed it, and I and I think there does need to be an LGBT bachelor, but you do need to solve for the problem 
that everyone's going to start hooking up with each other. Well, everyone thought that's what would have happened, but yeah. no, everyone was on their best behavior. They took it seriously. Wow. Uh, so I was, I was surprised. I'm like, well, which ones are going to actually start dating that were living in the house, uh-huh. which is, you know, very interesting and it could happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I would have definitely created a different format of that. I wouldn't have just done the bachelor format. Yeah. Um, I think it's way interesting. One of my favorite ideas that I'm trying to pitch out right now is a, um, is a dating show for uh, bisexual people because you know being bi is and it's so weird that people don't believe people can be bi. It's right. just so strange. But remember uh, Tila Tequila show where yeah she, yeah why aren't we doing that show? It's half half guys half girls. Yeah. You don't know what they're going to end up with. I mean yeah. that is good television. That's good television. Yeah. Love I, bisexual Love Island. I mean come on yeah let's let's do it yeah. <laughs> We've got listen. We, if we can do a twenty-four hour feed for Big Brother, then surely we can have uh, a Big Brother. My favorite show of all time. Is that true? Oh my god! It is my Super Bowl. It is wow. Yeah. It's my the, the best thing of the summer. I, I, I watch it. I watch the live feeds. Uh, it's really sad how into Big Brother I am. Oh my goodness! Yeah, but it's my, my sport because what I do is I play I play fantasy leagues on all the reality shows. Sure, I do. And uh, and so you pick your top three at the very beginning. You get one day to pick who you think is going to win. And then even if you start hating the person that you picked, you have to keep rooting for them because you want to win at the end. So it's a way more enjoyable way of watching a reality show. Okay. Uh, That's fair. Have you seen Pin 15, by the way? I have. That's great. Whoa. Yes. Smattering. Yes. I mean, I just, speaking of like some things I'm obsessed with right now, what a great show. It's so good. Especially for someone that, you know, was that age in the 90s. Uh, It is so funny. And it's crazy to see my ugly pictures on the wall of one of the girls <laughs> as she's doing her business. That was a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Hi mom. Sorry. I can't, yeah. I can't say certain things for my mom. Sure. Mom is here. <laughs> mom don't watch pin 15. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, that's not, it's not a parental show at all. How is that for you? Um, uh, interacting with people who grew up on you and are now grown up. It is, I was just talking to my husband about this. Uh, It's so funny to be a producer right now uh, because I'm starting to, a lot of my projects I've been working on for years, they're all just now going all at the same time. And it's because every time I go to pitch now, all the all the executives now we're in sync fans. Yes. Like we're finally old enough to be running the places now. Yes. And it's been really great. It's it's, it, been, it's been a good end for a yeah. lot of places. Yeah. It's really nice. But it's just, yeah, you get the thing of like, oh my god, it was you know when I was twelve, I watched you all the time, and then it's like, okay, terrific, uh, buy my show. Oh yeah, just buy my movie. Thank you. Yeah, please yeah. buy my show. Yeah, it's uh, it is very strange. Yeah. The world. And it was great. Fun. I just did. Um, I don't know if you watch Single Parents on ABC. It's Leighton Meester's new show, and yeah. uh, Brad Garrett, and I mean, it's so the writing's so incredible. But um, uh, JJ, um, oh my gosh, why did I forget her last name? Uh, Fieldman, Regis Fieldman's daughter, oh. uh, created that show. She writes on it, and uh, and because she was such a huge NSYNC fan, I just guest starred on the latest episode, which was so much fun. So yeah, so those fun opportunities come up just yeah. because you know people were a fan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, your fans now run the entertainment That's world. Right. We took over. That's yeah. right. As you knew you would. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more Lance Bass. Yeah. Bitch Sesh. What is this show, Bitch Sesh? I have not heard of it. It is Earwolf's very own Real Housewives breakdown show with hosts Casey Wilson and Danielle Schneider with some incredible new episodes with major guests that you seriously can't miss right now. 
First of all, they've got dream guest and dream human Kristen Wiig. She joins Casey and Danielle for a deep dive on the New York Housewives and Beverly Hills, Atlanta, Vanderpump Rules, and more. And if that's not enough, they even have Chelsea Handler on a very special episode with a convo way beyond just the normal Bravo craziness. And episodes with Joel Kim Booster, Andrew Reynolds, many amazing guests. Matt McConkie might pop up on one or several of them. Maybe he was their first ever guest. I don't know. Who's counting? So if you want to get the lowdown on all things in the Bravoverse and much more, listen to Bitch Sesh, a Real Housewives Breakdown on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This, what a great, what a well-written ad, Dana. She wrote this ad. It's great. Oh Bye. <laughs> We are back <laughs> yeah. with Lance Bass at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, yep. in a glorious uh, convention center conference room. Uh, Matt McConkie is here via Skype. <laughs> hey, this is. is normally the, uh, the, the part of the show where we segue into your love life. So we're going to ask you uh, lots of personal questions about Michael and all that stuff, but... I'd love to go back in time just a little bit. Um, I'm curious, kind of going back to our reality TV conversation, if you watched a show called The A-List when that was on? I did not, for obvious reasons. <laughs> no, what are those obvious was, reasons? My ex was on that show. Uh, um, and I didn't, I didn't know about Logo at that point. So um, I didn't even know like, where, where to see it, but I probably wouldn't have tuned in. Yeah, yeah, it was a, yeah. It was a deeper cut. Yeah. Um, but you, but you, you know, you and Riken kind of made headlines as a couple together, and that mm. is, is sort of what led to your coming out, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that was like sort of at the height, like in the in the mid mid aughts, at the height of like Perez Hilton gossip culture. And am, am I right that you were sort of outed by him before you? Yeah, I mean, Perez would uh, write just horrible things about anyone he thought was gay and just write the most horrible slurs across your face. And it was just it was it was just a horrible situation. He was he was a he's a he's a horrible person. It still is today. Uh, Horrible person. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, but took that with a grain of salt because, you know, whatever, everyone was getting, you know, called out. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, the reason I really came out was I was, you know, dating Riken, and he was kind of a well-known activist, and um, and I was very comfortable because my friends knew we were dating, and I just didn't think people really cared. Uh, and then I was in P-Town, and <laughs> I didn't know it was a, a gay town, uh, and I was at Crown and Anchor, uh-huh. waiting for the bathroom, talking to a guy, and he's like, oh, you're Lance. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you're gay? I'm like, yeah. And he was a reporter for the Washington Post. So oh. they, wow. so then everyone started calling my, you know, my people, and uh, they're like, look, we're writing the story with or without him, so he can either tell a story or we're just going to write what we want to write. So right. I had 24 hours to decide if I was going to come out publicly, and I did with People Magazine. Wow. Yeah. I yes. And I've never been happier. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like here's like the, excuse the therapy question, but where where you get that call? Where do you feel that? Oh in, my like gosh. Is that, oh, does the blood rush oh, out? Are, are you, no, does your chest get tight? so heavy in your chest because you the one thing because it was a different time. This was two thousand six, two thousand seven. Um, it really was a different temperature. It was the death of your career. So my yeah. whole time that I was in in sync, I was every single day. I was like. Hope no one finds me out. Hope no one finds me out because our career will be over. Our career will be over. So I just kept that inside, you know, the whole time. So when I did decide to come out, I, I was scared that 
the whole world was going to hate me. I didn't want to read anything. I, I left. I, I left town, and I just kind of disappeared for a few days. Mm-hmm. Didn't turn on the TV or anything like that. But then a few days later, once I started getting the emails and I saw what the, you know, the Jay Leno's of the world were saying, yeah. uh, it was just so positive. Like, they just took the real, the high road the whole way, and it, it was a great experience. Good. Good. I mean, and, and people love you, so that's, that is, that's... Well, I mean, they, you know, a lot of people grew up with me. I feel like, you know, we all kind of went to high school together. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, people feel like they're, you know, that that we're family. So I think seeing someone that they felt so close to go through this, you know, it's it's very relatable. Yeah. My niece was crushed, but she's okay now. (laughs) Um, No woman could ever have me. (laughs) (laughs) How, okay, so how out were you at the dawn of NSYNC? Not at all. I mean, I knew since I was five years old that, right. you know, I was gay, but I also knew that I had to hide it the rest of my life because it was, it was wrong. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just something I never really acted on or really wanted to think about. I just kind of, I, I put it out of my head and, and when, it, you know, you started maturing and everyone started dating and everything, I turned to drinking. Yeah. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to be drunk as much as possible because I didn't want to, I didn't want that awkward feeling of at the end of the night being like, well, I have to go home with a girl now. I, I wanted an excuse of like, oh, I just drank too much. You know, I always wanted that excuse of, oh, I drank too much, yeah. which is horrible. And I, and I see that so much in the LGBT community, especially teenagers, where they turn into alcoholics because they just want an excuse of not to be themselves. Right. And you're also numbing the pain that comes with the world telling you that what you are is not acceptable. 100%. And something that you're always going to have to hide. I mean, you get that message multiple times in ways large and small all day long every day. So, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, it is a tough time. So how how did you begin to sort of how did you begin the process yourself of uh, of just coming out? Yeah, I mean i I was just comfortable finally. Uh, you know, once I I was already in my third relationship at this point, mm-hmm. um, so I I wasn't hiding it with my friends, and they all loved me. My family loved me. So it at that point I was very comfortable. And, and when I did publicly come out, I knew I knew I didn't want to say anything publicly until. Uh, there was love in my life. I wanted to be able to say, like, I'm, I'm in love uh, right now, and, I, and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of waited for that moment. Okay. Who was your first relationship, if I can uh, this, uh This guy named Jesse. Uh, we met in Orlando. He uh, went to uh, University of Central Florida. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was basically, like, especially when you're in the closet, you basically... Your first relationship is the first person you kind of tell because you're like, well, I'm not going to meet anyone else, so this is yeah. this is it or nothing. Uh, so we dated for about two years, moved to LA together, and uh, and now he casts for Amazing Race. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. good to know. Yeah. Um, so then, how? What is the process by which you met your husband? Uh, we were in Palm Springs. Uh, we went to a birthday party of a mutual friend. We mm-hmm. had the same best friends, but none of them introduced us, which is very strange. Uh-huh. Uh, and we even looked back to the Halloween, you know, three months before we officially met. But we have two pictures on two different days, two different Halloween parties, all in the same picture together. But we'd never met. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's so we were in Palm Springs at this uh, birthday party. Again, never saw him at the birthday party. But the next day, I was saying goodbye to the birthday boy. He was staying at the house. And that's where we... Locked eyes, mm-hmm. and it was all over. Uh, huh? And then, so on my drive back to LA, he Facebook poked me. Wow. Poked me. 
Uh I'm like, oh. And uh, so I had the biggest crush ever. But I thought I thought he was straight at the time. Like, I don't know why. I thought he was the only straight person at the party. Uh, So I'm like, okay, I didn't really think about it. But then we hung out every day for a month. And we became best friends before we even knew we really liked each other. So every day we spent together. And then about a month later, after a good glass of wine... He had the nerve to kiss me. He's here, by the way. Put your hand up. (laughs) Stand up. Take a bow. (laughs) I love that. And I totally, I relate to that thing of like being in the world's gayest environment and like liking somebody and just being like, oh, well, he must be straight because I like him. And he was wearing a Speedo, so I have no idea why I thought it was straight. (laughs) (laughs) For me, the real shock of that story is that you have a Facebook profile. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Of course. Of course. I won't tell you the real name, though. I did, you know, because I have a personal one, obviously, you know, for my family and friends. Um, And then someone ratted me out. Because I used to, yeah, I used to have like this fake name Buford for everything, right? Yeah. And uh, and someone told on me that I wasn't a real Buford bass. I'm like, thanks. So I had to change my name. Oh, uh, stupid. That's a shame. Yeah. In fairness, are there Bufords in the world? There are in Mississippi. Uh, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. You would know, <laughs> you would know that better than I. So how? Uh, so you then uh, continued to date in Los Angeles? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. For how long? Um. I mean, I I've always had long relationships. I never was the type that just dated. Um, No one really asked me out on a date. Uh, So it was always just kind of meeting someone and then falling for them and then we would be in a relationship for two years. And so I had like very long, you know, steady live-in relationships most of my life. Yeah. Yeah. How long between, uh, before you guys moved in? Well, that's, well, when I met him, I purposely said I'm not dating anyone for over a year. Like I I just, I needed... I was one bad relationship after, after the next. Mm-hmm. I was basically uh, um, Elizabeth, uh, what's her name? Taylor. Taylor, you know, going through like <laughs> so many, <laughs> so many relationships. But I learned a lot from every single one of them, which was awesome. Um, and, you know, and I still am friends with pretty much everyone that I've, I've ever dated. But then when we met, I said, nope, not going to do it. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get into a relationship so quickly. Um, and I'll never date anyone under 27. He was 23. Oh, my God. I didn't know that until later. Uh, and so I was, like, so against it. But I think maybe that's what made me fall more in love was because it was such a forbidden thing for in my heart. I'm, like, not going to let myself go there. Right. But, yeah, I mean, we moved in together pretty much, what, six months after we met. Yeah. He kept his apartment for a while, but he always stayed with me. Oh. Yeah. Uh, how are you able to trust people's intentions having like being as famous as you are having the background that you have and then dating in West Hollywood, California? Is that like, was that difficult? I mean, it is difficult. Yeah. I mean, and I think I'm good at, at, at seeing what people are wanting out of me. I can read a lot of minds, but I'm very trusting, (laughs) which gets me into a lot of trouble. Obviously Lou Perlman Uh Um, and the Washington post guy, everything, you know, it's just, I just, I don't know. I just always, I don't know. I just, I trust too easily. You know, I always will give you the benefit of the doubt until you screw with me. Uh, but then as the Taurus as I am, once you, you screw me over, you're, you're going to get the shoulder for a long time. I'll forgive you, mm-hmm. but I'm going to remember uh-huh. every single day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. I mean, West Hollywood is a difficult place. No it matter, is. No matter. I mean, where it's difficult dating all around. I, I could not imagine, you know, I missed the whole online dating scene. I couldn't imagine what that feels like to have all that you know, option and trying to put yourself out there, um, 
yeah, I, I don't know if this, the younger generations know what it's like to be asked out on a date or just meet someone here. It's it's just a different world now. Yeah, to give someone your full attention. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, know, it's kind of yeah. Unless well, people aren't coupling up right now because they're like, oh, I can have anything I want now. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. What was the um, proposal process for you, Mike? Oh, it was horrible. The first one was horrible. <laughs> I did it twice. Uh, you know, I, it was right after we did the VMAs. Um, uh, when we performed last, I don't know, 2013. I don't know. And uh, so we were riding on a high. I'd got back to Mississippi. I'd seen all my family. A bunch of my friends from California and Mississippi all met in New Orleans. And we had this crazy, amazing reunion. Uh, and I was like, but this is, this is the, because I knew I wanted to propose for months now. Like, I just wanted to wait for that right time. And I was like, this is the moment, because New Orleans is our favorite city. We go all the time. And I knew I wanted to do it in Jackson Square. So I ran out. We were at brunch. I ran with a friend to just get some crappy ring, just to have something. Went back, and then at night, I took him to the park, which was closed. <laughs> the gates were closed. And I'm like, well, I guess there it goes. So I, you know, kneeled down on the, you know, the, the throw-up ground with mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. really dirty New Orleans ground. Uh, and so I start, you know, proposing, saying my speech, and then like <laughs> right at the beginning, someone taps me. Hey, are you Lance? <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, they're like, can we take a picture? I'm like, I'm on my knee, down on my knee. I'm like, can you give me a second? I'm just proposing. They're like, okay. So they stand out like five feet, uh. and they're just staring, just watching the whole thing go down. I'm like, okay. So, so at least we get a. I got a picture of me down on my knee because they took a picture of that. Um, so I felt like that wasn't so romantic, uh, and the ring was horrible. Um, we had a big thing. They totally Julia Roberts us at the uh, thing. Yeah, huge mistake, big mistake. Um, and so uh, then we did a, re- a, a redo. Um, a few months later, we were we went on to Africa uh, with some friends, and it was just such a magical place. And uh, so we did this. I uh, did a beautiful proposal. Yeah, when we got back from our little safari, I had little mm-hmm. rose petals, like total the cheesy thing. And then a giraffe was yeah, like, were you in A little monkey comes out with a ring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that, that we, we say that's the proposal, but, you know, uh-huh. yeah, New Orleans was, that was a bust. Oh, man. We still love New Orleans, though. We go all the time. Well, sure. It's not, it's not <laughs> New Orleans' fault. Um, are uh, our kids in the... Uh, They are. We have been working on this for a long time now. Um, The process has taken a lot longer than I. And we're we're trying to be as as open of a book as we can with this process because it's so interesting to me, um, the science behind IVF. And and it's finally to a point where people aren't afraid to talk about it. Um, it, You know, it's a positive thing. It's amazing that we, you know, God gave us this ability to create some of the most healthy babies you can. So the process has been very interesting. Uh, we've gone through our seven donors now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they keep falling out for different reasons. But I'm thinking this last donor is working. So we could be pregnant very soon. Okay. So fingers crossed. Wow. Good luck. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm trying to like push everything out this year so that I can really be present as a father in Los Angeles. You know, I'm, I'm on tour right now with O-Town, and, and we, uh, uh, I think we end, well, I'll end around August, September, and, uh-huh. you know, really get ready for the kids. Okay. 
That's very exciting. Yeah. One, yeah. two. How, well, we'll see. We we always said we want to go for two. Yeah. Um, my husband's a twin, and his mother was like, "Start with two. You'll you won't know the difference. You know, it's okay. like start with two. It'll seem so much easier. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll you know, it's not guaranteed, but we're going to try for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good luck. Yeah, thanks, Lance. Um, I, I was also curious. I know you were raised Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I, I'm assuming not currently practicing uh no i mean i'm still i still consider myself christian um i just think the organized religion has is gotten horrible um you know i when when churches kick you out uh, when my family doesn't feel comfortable to even belong to a church just because of how you view their kid that's not the church i grew up in at all so i think uh the church leaders organized religion has really gotten too political um, they need to be taxed uh, if they're going to get into politics. And it's just a shame that, you know, the way I was raised in this loving environment and sense of community, and it was all about following the teachings of Jesus Christ, which, you know, aligns with my views today. And he's, it's very progressive, progressive view. And all these fake Christians, I call them, with all these, unor- you know, these organized religions, they go exactly against what Jesus taught. And it just doesn't make sense to me. It's so frustrating <laughs> to watch this all go down. I'm like, y'all are just, everyone's just blind to what is happening right now. And it's just so sad. So no, I, I don't belong to a certain church just because I just don't believe in that organized religion anymore. And even, you know, and I've always had my own relationship with the God that I believe in and, you know, and whatever, you know, speaks to, you know, to my heart. I don't need I don't need a place to go do that. And even, you know, even Jesus himself said there shouldn't be a, an organized religion at all. It should be your own personal journey. Yeah, there you go. Right on. Well, Went we're all church with Alan. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we're all in L.A. We can go to that uh, the funky Justin Bieber church. Oh, yeah. No. Tattoo. Well, hey, they, don't, uh, they don't like the gays either. So really? I know. I know. They're very, you know, open-minded for sure. But um, I don't like any church that says, well, yeah, we accept you, but you just can't be a part of the church. You can't lead the church. You can't be a yeah. deacon. I mean, what, what does that even mean? Yeah. You know, it's like if every sin is equal, then, okay, if you're divorced, that's, then that's you shouldn't be able to do it too, but how come they look over everything else except the gay thing? Yeah, we love you, but okay, yeah. then what is love? Exactly. What, is, yeah. what are you talking mm-hmm. about? Um, Lance, thank you. And, and I want to, we, we have an audience mic. All right. So I'd like to open it up to questions at this time. Yeah. I'll answer all your Britney Spears questions. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, hop on up. All right. Hi, Lance. Thank you for being so open. It's really wonderful to hear about this. And I'm just very curious if you can reflect a little bit more on that now allowed, perhaps, openness, as in you mentioned it before, with Unsync, you actually couldn't really talk about these issues. How do you feel about that, and how does that influence pop culture currently? Yeah. Well, I think it's so important to be transparent in everything you do, especially you know when you're um, in a position of mind, uh, you know, the LGBT uh, you know, community, you really want to be an activist and you want to you know, support and, and show the world just by being who you are, it's just as an example. So I think uh, since I came out, I've been so open on purpose. Like I just, I don't want to hide anything, which gets me in trouble a lot of times because I talk too much. Um, so, you know, I, but for so long I had to hide myself. And I look at all the interviews that I did with NSYNC and that's not me. And if you look at me, I'm like, Hey, I don't want, I don't want, like I was just so 
like introverted and uh, I didn't speak because I felt like if I spoke too much, people would hear something. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, he said that word. That means he's gay. So I just just mumble the whole time. Uh Um, So it was sad, you know, so I was always known as the shy one, you know, and I'm definitely not shy. Um, So it's sad to look back at the whole, all those interviews and everything, because I just like, that is, that's not me. I was playing a character uh, the whole time. But yeah, I, I think it's so important just to really be transparent um, with everything you do. You know, I knowing you a little bit in that time, I never suspected until... Oh, what did I say? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it was your uh, New Year's Eve party. Y2K, New Year's Eve party. Okay, yeah. It, it, Dream was there. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and you was wore... Was that Roseland Ballroom? It was Roseland that Ballroom. Horrible blizzard, I think. It was a very bad blizzard. Mm-hmm. And inside, you wore a, uh, a pair of silk harem pants. And I thought... Lance Bass is setting himself free right now. I remember now. that, yeah. I love it. I remember being, uh, some designer was like, you have to wear this outfit. Because it was a big MTV special. You know, yeah. They were doing all these hits from around the world for MTV. Um, and so they put me in this really geisha-looking outfit. And, um, and I had food poisoning also, which oh, was no. the worst. Burger King, food poisoning. Uh, and so the whole time, and then because the blizzard, all the other hits started shutting down. Yeah. And so my party was the only one that they would go to. Yeah. So I would have to do all these hits. So I would go throw up over here, come back on looking as white as this, <laughs> this chair right here, and have to like introduce someone and then go back and throw up again. It was oh. horrible. Oh, wow. So yes, I remember that night very clearly. <laughs> it was a good party. Yeah, yeah. Tell you that. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, yes, we have another question. Hi. My daughter says I'm an oversharer. Oh, I like all so the sharers. <laughs> uh, I liked what you had to share about your life. I would like to ask if you would consider producing a music show that's just a music show mm-hmm. that showcases musicians mm-hmm. singing a song, how they want to sing it, yeah. and not being judged by 100,000 million people or whoever judges them. I, yeah. I would like to listen to um, um, people producing uh, to... Uh, just creating their own sound. Yeah. I mean, that's great. And it's, I've actually been trying to pitch a show like that for years. Um, sadly, people don't... It, it's Anything with a good heart, I feel like, just doesn't get sold anymore. It has to be some kind of shocking, weird thing. Um, and I, I've been trying... You know, I've created this show where it, it gives musicians a platform to perform. Um, and, I mean, new musicians, you know, your Ariana Grandes of the world, but... They don't have a place to really showcase their talent anymore unless you're doing Saturday Night Live or, I mean, there's just very few things or an award show. So I wanted to create a show where all these musicians could come together and collaborate. And every show you would see these incredible collaborations with two of your favorite artists. And we give them carte blanche anything they want. Uh, Dancers, any remix they want, we would put together, you know, Grammy-type performances every single, you know, show. But I just like no real performers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not just the produced, not just the mm-hmm. people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love, remember, I mean, MTV had, you know, Unplugged, one of my favorite yeah. favorite shows. You know, you really just strip everything down and you get the real talent uh, from these artists. Yeah, I wish there were more shows like that. I do too. But yeah, I mean, you talking about that show, I would like to see it, but I can also hear the network notes of like, so how do you punish the performers? Exactly. The the exactly. You, uh-huh. like, so who gets eliminated? And, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The water falls on them. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> uh, you, sir? 
Hi, my name is Jack, and I'm from Brandon, Mississippi. Woohoo, Brandon! That's where my parents and, live. Oh, yeah, uh, I wanted to just say that you were such an inspiration for me growing up as a young gay boy, knowing that I could be successful and all that. And um, I also wanted to say that, but uh, going off of that, uh, do you have any advice for LGBT youth in Mississippi? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Um, and thank you for being so comfortable uh, with yourself. I wish I was that comfortable at an early age. Um, you know, it's, it's so much easier now, even in Mississippi, to be who you are. Um, you know, all these gay-straight alliances are popping up uh, all, you know, in every school. Um, you know, Mississippi's definitely one of the last places that will be accepting, but it really is getting better. You know, when I was going to school in Mississippi, there was not one gay person in our class. There was not, not one. Now, I feel like every school has a few kids, and they, they have power in that. Um, and it's changing people's minds. Once you, you know, once you get to know a gay person, uh, it changes your mind. No one ever says, oh, I'm against gay people after they meet someone. <laughs> like, it just it doesn't happen. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, I, the advice I'd give is, you know, stick together, you know, you have the power, and especially if you're still in school right now, no one cares after, I mean, you're going to graduate, no one even, you're never going to see these people ever again. So it's, you know, just live your life, who you are, you're going to be able to create whatever life you want. Thank you. Yeah. Hey Lance, I'm Monica. Um, I recently traveled to L.A. to come see your guys' reunion and get your um, star on the Walk of Fame. It's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I also attended the pop-up shop, and um, I just wanted to know how how you felt seeing all of your fans come together in that space, knowing that you might have been a different person or playing a character when you were first coming into your career. Yeah. It was such an incredible day. Uh, we had no idea that that many people would show up to the star ceremony at all. Uh, but it was, it was incredible to see the support we still have today and to see all so many familiar faces out there. Um, it was just, a, I felt like we could finally just breathe for a day as, as the whole NSYNC fandom came together and we just forgot about the craziness going on in the world and we all reverted back to 1999 and just had such a fun weekend. And, uh, and I craved that. I needed that in my life and I forgot how much I missed that. Um, and I was happy that I was able to speak in front of you know this crowd as a gay man because yeah it's something I wish I would have been able to do you know in in sync um, I think it would have helped move the needle a lot quicker if I was able to be myself in the height of in sync um, but who knows or maybe it would have ruined us I have no idea but I think it would have been positive I think if I did come out at 17 18 years old in 1999 that maybe it, it could have helped you know, a lot more people a lot quicker. Thank you. All right, thank you. They're really small. <laughs> Hi, Lance. Hi. Hi, I'm Rosalind. I, was, I helped launch MySpace.com back in the day, and I was oh, the head of yeah. artist relations. So thank you for mentioning Tila Tequila. It's I kind of a, a blessing and a curse we had her, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of MySpace, um, a, a few years ago, I, I produced a show here with Justin Timberlake at South by Southwest. And I know how close you guys are, and I know Johnny Rice, also an executive producer of the film. So was everyone, and I apologize if you answered this earlier, but was everybody supportive when this idea of the film came about? And I'm 
I'm excited to see it, but, you know, how was that? And I know not everybody's in it, but, uh, you know, how was that uh, just, just producing the film and, and coming out with a story? Was everyone open to, to, yeah, to seeing it? No, uh, it, it was difficult, really. Um, the, the problem with uh, the Lou Perlman story is every time it's been told by Vanity Fair or anyone like that, um, it's very salacious. It's the yeah. dark version, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and he's just as evil as possible. But there were much, was, he was a much bigger person than that. There were so many layers to Lou Perlman, and I wanted to tell the full story. Um, and so when I brought it up, to when I started casting this, immediately everyone was like, I don't know. Like They were just scared to be a part of something that they thought was going to be a hit piece. Right. Um, and of course, you know, I, I didn't ask everyone to be in it because I didn't want every single member of every group in it. I just wanted kind of representation. Uh, the Backstreet Boys basically were like, no, we do not want to even touch this. Um, AJ, he wanted to do it because he's look, I'll talk for the boys. Like They trust me to tell our story. Right. Um, and it's very, I mean, I commend everyone that's in the film because they really had to trust me. Um, because it could easily have turned into, which originally um, they wanted a very salacious documentary, but I said, no, I will not be a part of that. I want to tell the story I want to tell. And, um, and it ended up being way better than any kind of hit piece, piece you could do. Because yeah. uh, you do see all these layers, and, and you, get, you feel conflicted at the end, just like how we feel. You don't know, you don't know how to feel about them yeah. <laughs> at all. And that's why, yeah, that's why I really enjoyed this. But yes, it was, it was really hard. The music was the hardest part, because right. Max Martin didn't want any songs right. in it. <laughs> but then finally, we gave a first cut to a few people. Max, Johnny Wright didn't want to be in it. No one... They saw it, and then they started running to us, being like, we want to be in this film now. Because they, they saw the, the tone that we had, and they loved it after that. So, really, people started coming on board after the first cut. Well, I'm excited to see it, and I think a lot of people are going to be helped, especially new artists. I work for Mixed TV now, a cable yeah. network with a lot of artists, so I think everyone's going to open their eyes of what they should do when they start I hope this so. process. I, I hope it's a cautionary tale, um, you know, and you, gotta, you have to keep being reminded of that all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, you think we learned our lesson in, in 2000, but, you know, you have to remember, like, oh, yeah, we, we got to look out for that. Um, so, yeah, so hopefully people will be able to take a lot of things from this film, and I hope to see you all there. It's, gonna, yes. it's really... It gives you chill bumps. It's a good one. It does. Hi, my name's Hi. Mandy. Um, I was just wondering, since um, like the height of NSYNC and everything was before social media, if you were glad that you didn't have that platform to interact with your fans and everything, or yeah. if you, it's something that you wish that you had to like hear back it's, what your fans wanted to well, say. Well, it's definitely a double-edged sword, for sure. I am One side of me says, thank goodness I wasn't there during the social media era, because no telling how what trouble we would have gotten into. Right. I mean, we were stupid. You know, we would say things. I don't know what would you know would have happened. Um, but then on the other hand, I'd have like a hundred million followers right now, and I'd be able to promote whatever I want. So you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, so yeah, it sucks that we just missed that that era. But uh, but maybe it is a blessing in disguise because we it, maybe it could have ruined our whole entire career because of something stupid Joey said. I don't know. <laughs> It would have been Joey. Yeah. And it would have been Joey. Who, by the way, will be there today. Yes, Joey yes. will be there today. Mm-hmm. You'll be there at the uh, Paramount Theater. The screening is at 3 p.m. Yes. Uh, so head on over there. We will see you. I want to thank everybody for being here. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Christine. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, everybody in the, in the booth here at South by Southwest. You've been fantastic. Matt McConkie, stay Thanks, on. Matt. Thank you, Lance. 
don't don't hang up. I want to get I want to get a picture in front of your, your giant menacing head. Um, thank you all for being here. Have a great rest of your festival. We'll see you later in the afternoon. Thanks, guys. Well, Matt, you know what? I've got uh, I've got tacos calling my name. I've got taco trucks. I've got uh, I, I've, I, I got to go play uh, ski ball to help promote the uh, what we do in the shadows FX limited series. Uh, I've got marketing things that I have got to do. So go, I've got to run. Go get those activations, Dave. We miss you here. We will see you very soon. Uh, see you soon. Thank you to um, everybody at the House of Audible, everybody here at the House of Earwolf. Thank you, Dana. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ben Wise, for the music. Yes. Uh, Dave, I'll see you next week. Thank you, Matt. Bye. Bye. See you soon. Bye-bye. in the studio alone without Dave. I am what you might call lonely. Speaking of lonely, The Lonely Hour is a podcast about loneliness, but it is not a bummer. In The Lonely Hour, host Julia Bainbridge, who is the James Beard Award-nominated writer and former editor at Bon Appetit, uh, has created a space to talk openly in hopes of both destigmatizing loneliness and underscoring the joys of solitude. So the show aims to neutralize the taboo by treating loneliness as part of the mixed bag of emotions involved in the human experience. And you can listen to The Lonely Hour exclusively on Stitcher Premium. And while you're there, you can also listen to a little Stitcher Premium miniseries that I did called, what's it called, Dana? Lost and Found. (laughs) Forgot the name of my show. Lost and Found. That's also on there. But most importantly, for more info, go to stitcher.com slash lonely hour. That's stitcher.com slash lonely hour. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus! I mean, Jazos! (laughs) Ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.